0: Good morning, good morning. morning. Glad to see you all here this morning. I appreciate it. I was afraid I was going to be here by myself. And no one was going to show up. I've been nervous for about two weeks for this. So bear with me this morning as we continue on. I do have some handouts for you. I'm sorry I don't have enough for everyone. I do have about 20 of them. Um, There's questions that we're going to go over at the end that we're going to talk about. First of all, as I roll on the board, we're talking about Lamentations 219. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift your hands towards him for the life of your children. I can't tell you how important and how powerful that statement was to me with my son during my troubles. I want you to understand that on February the 3rd of 2012, when I looked up and my then ex-wife had left the house, The house was empty with nothing in it except for my son. And my son stood there and said, Dad, what are we going to do? Mama's gone. And I said, Son, let me explain one thing to you. You're my child. I loved you from day one, and I'll never leave you. I'm sorry Dad has to leave for a while and take care of some things for his wrongdoing. But when I come back home, and when I get you, and when I hold you, you'll know that I never stopped loving you. Amen. Amen. Xavier doing things on his own now. I'm very proud of Xavier. Xavier lives in Mobile, Alabama. He's a welder on the shipyards down there. He took care of himself when he got his own place because there's nowhere for Xavier to go. My house was gone. Xavier got his own apartment, has his own car now. I cannot <laughs> be more proud as a father to call Xavier Arnell my son. Okay? Very proud of him. I have a grandson. You heard me talk about. His name is Rylan. He's four. When Rylan would come visit me during my weekend visits, I would tell his mother, "Get out the way. This is my time with my grandson." And with Rylan, we would talk. I would say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and Rylan would go one, two, three, four, five. I say A, B. C, D, just like that, over and over and over again. I did it for three years. Until a ride would started coming, he go, Papa, I'm ready. He sit <laughs> on my lap, and he go, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, right? He said A, B, C, D. I said, That's my child. Let me tell you something about your legacy. I want you to stop worrying about an end date. The day you were born put a line and you tell everybody don't you ever put on my tombstone end date because it's what I leave behind that's going to do great things it's my legacy it's my children it's what I teach them it's what I show them it's what I expose them to that makes them better I'm never gone because hopefully in my son's mind he'll hear daddy talking to him saying son don't do this son do do this Son, pray about everything. Son, look to God in everything you do, and chaos will never enter your life. No more end dates. No more end dates. We live in a culture that says parents obey your children instead of children obey your parents. Parental authority is decreased, and the rights of children have been increased. This is understandable because the past practices were so very unfair until the pendulum drifted too far to the left. Our children are exposed to sexual expressions, personal freedoms, and ideas of self-determination that become overwhelming to kids who have both parents in the home. They're looking for short-term gratification versus long-term gratification. We have to teach our children about long-term gratification. You don't become rich overnight. You don't buy a house overnight. It takes time. It takes planning. It takes saving. It takes understanding. How do we expect the children of incarcerated dads and moms to be able to grasp right from wrong? As we, the men and the women, in the lives of the youth who have one or more parents incarcerated, become (coughs) leaders and role models in their lives, we have to be available to be a big brother, a big sister, a grandparent, a tutor, a minister, whatever the situation calls for, put on your hat and wear it well. Amen. We must be sincere in our desire to assist. We must not condemn the kids. We must accompany them to school conferences, school programs, school sporting events. Sending them alone means the message that they are not important and that we do, they can do whatever they want to do. This is one of the reasons that there are large groups of kids fighting in parking lots on the news. I don't know if that beats you up, but that tears me down to the floor. It brings me to tears to see young black kids. Young kids, period, forget race. Kids, period, tearing up stuff. No value, no understanding, no appreciation. Sad. They feel that no one cares what happens to them so they will end up incarcerated as their parents are. It's our job to keep that from happening by showing genuine love and concern for those kids. We all remember the term, it takes a village to raise a child. Nothing has been truer as we fight to save the next generation. We have to teach obedience. We have to teach honesty. We have to teach pride. We have to teach good worth ethics. We have to teach good study habits. We have to teach life skills. We have to teach God's love and how to keep his commandments. Those things will take care of everything else. Those things will take care of everything else. I wrote on the board here, you see it says 14 minutes and 59 seconds. Let's talk about that for a minute. That is the time that you have allotted on the telephone when you're in prison. The phone calls, it says, hello, this is the phone call from an inmate at a federal prison, Brandon Gunn. To accept, press five. To decline, press seven. Press five, you start talking, the clock is going. It costs you $3.45 for a 15-minute phone call. Is that not highway robbery? How's a man in prison can afford to pay $3.45 for a phone call every day to his children? He cannot because the jobs, the average job in prison only pays you $17 a month. I was lucky to be in education and get paid about $100 a month to teach classes. That was a benefit. 14 to 59 minutes, you're trying to protect your home. You're trying to protect your wife and encourage her to take care of the kids. You're trying to talk to the kids about things they're doing wrong. Young man, 14 years old in school, and he's a father at home to talk to. Dad, I don't understand. Sally doesn't like me anymore. Jennifer says I'm ugly. The boy said my feet too big. I want these shoes. I want this shirt. He needs his father at home. So on this 14 minute, 59 second phone call, you are trying to encourage your child to be the greatest thing ever. And it's tough. Then you want to talk back to the wife. Because you've got to encourage her. Because she's trying to hold down everything. I should tell guys, I say, you know what, you ought to send your wife a card on Mother's Day and Father's Day, because she's doing everything. Yeah, true. She comes out here to see you, she brings those kids, she cleans them up, she combs their hair, she drives to this prison, and she sits in here for six to eight hours to visit with you. You ought to give her a break when she comes. You ought to just sit down, go get your mama a drink, sit down, I got the kids for eight hours. That doesn't happen. Let me tell you what happens. Children come in. The men have had no part in their lives already. They don't know how to hold a child. They don't know how to cup a child. When a child is reaching, they're putting to the mother. I want something else to eat. I want the barbecue wings. I want the potato chips, and it would frustrate me. And I would catch them later and say, "You know what? You got your nerve to make your wife get up and get you anything. You raggedy bucket." I wish I had a wife that was coming to see me on Saturday morning with my child. I wish I had a wife who still had my home intact to go home to. So I'm, I am highly upset with you, with your action. I would tell them. So in our parenting class, we would talk about being not just a man but a father. We write on the board. I said, "Give me your definition of a father and a dad. There's a difference. Big difference." When you have men sitting in front of you, ladies and gentlemen, one man, he had 14 children by nine different women. He cares nothing about life himself. He cares nothing about those children, and then wants to get mad at the ladies for not letting him talk to the children. I wouldn't want to talk to you, either. He wants to get upset. So when I had him in class, I said, sir, what are you going to do about your children? It's Christmas angel tree comes every year you can fill out the list and they'll send gifts to the children on christmas on your behalf free that joker wouldn't even go i went and woke him up i said if you don't get up i'm gonna drag you up here because you need to do they don't understand that we had what we call children's day in prison once a year the kids would come we set up games for them to play things to do, they didn't want to get involved. My child's grown. I'm out here playing with other four children. Because it takes a village to raise a child. I would go and encourage other men about their wives and say, you know what, be grateful what you have beside you. Because there are those of us who have nothing, and you have that. We talked about a mother and how to protect a mother. What do women want most? There were two things we learned in prison. Protection and the provider. Protection and a provider. If you can't protect and provide, get out the way. Corinthians says, what? If that woman is not what you want, let her go. And let somebody get her who wants her. And let her take care of him. Let him take care of her. <laughs> excuse me, right? It says, don't be part of that. Sorry, I got to stretched. excuse me. Let him take care of her, right? That's what it says, right? Now, that came from the man upstairs, truly, that is self-evident of what needs to happen. I said, let me tell you something. I said, the opportunity to pray on a phone, I don't care what that joker beside me thinks about me, I'm gonna pray with my family. Dear Lord, thank you. Dear God, thank you. Honey, Thank you for my wife, for my mother, my father, my son, my brothers, those who passed on before me and those who are keeping during my time away. And guys would look at me and go, man, I can't believe you pray on the phone. I'm trying to talk to my girl, and you're trying to pray on the phone. I said, I'm trying to talk to Jesus. And you tell her to call that. And in time, you know what happened? She would hear me praying on the phone and go, How come you don't do that? He would say, Mm -hmm. my wife said, I need to pray too because she heard you praying. (laughs) Let me explain. Tough guys in prison who think they know, oh, yeah, I'm I'm big and bad, I'm this. They're the main ones that come by later on in my room and want to talk. Gun, my wife left me. I said, I wonder why. They said, I heard what you said in class. I'm going to write a letter to my wife. And I'm going to tell her that I'm sorry. And I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to come home better than before. I'm coming home ready for a (coughs) 12-round heavyweight fight. And I'm not leaving you and there's absolutely nothing to do about it because I'm planted so deep into you and I'm all you have. And in time, some change, some stay the same. The divorce rate in prison the first year is 97%. They come in, they're ready, they're gung-ho, baby, we're gonna do this, we're gonna make it, I got you, I'm here, partner. When the bills come, when the house notes do, groceries, and the kids, it gets tough on them. That attention comes, I got you, your husband gone. I'm here, what you gonna do? She has to provide and protect. So what's she gonna do? She's gonna listen. Then when she calls you over that phone in that 14 minutes, 59 seconds, says, guess what, I'm divorcing you, I'm leaving. Or when you hear the intercom, and you hear the sheriff's up front, and they say, Brandon Gunn, report to the desk, you know what it is. You're about to be served. They call you just like that. The, sh- the marshal's here to serve Brandon Gunn, please report to the front. And you get, everybody knows what's about to happen, everybody goes, oh, So if papers come and now you want to do right, it's too late, my friend. Amen. That emotional bond that God says hold on to has been broken. Mm-hmm. And when you break that emotional bond, she's gone. You can't buy enough flowers and cards to do nothing. Eva tell you that. Huh. <laughs> Esther will talk to you about that. Sarah will tell you about that. They held on. We'd be in class and talking about children, and I said, look, when you talk to your children, I don't care what they've done wrong. You got to encourage them to do right. Yep, you got to tell them, Daddy made a mistake first. Admit your own mistakes. Mm-hmm. And a child will listen because he says, You know what? My daddy said. Yes, ma'am. Is she a of the ma'am. She, is she a member of the church? Who's that? Your wife. My ex wife? Yes. Yes, she is. Yes. Cassandra was tired, she had enough. My shenanigans, my games, had exhausted all she could take. Am I mad? No, I know, for a man to tell you he doesn't know, don't quit lying to himself. <clears throat> First thing to look at is what? Truth within yourself. Giving strength and praying for them one young man had a daughter 14 years old, got pregnant. He comes, got the phone, my daughter's pregnant. I said, you call her back in 15 minutes and you tell her you're my daughter today, tomorrow, and forever, and we'll get through this. That's what you have to do. That's what real men do. We'd have a class called Winning in Life. And Winning in Life, we talked about trying to be a man. That's a full-time job. It's 24-7, yeah. 365. You can't quit. Amen. You can't quit. <clears throat> if you're going to talk to men incarcerated, talk to them about the real. Yeah. Tell them what it takes to be a husband. <clears throat> Tell them what it takes to be a father. Don't feed them all those weak dreams about all this and all that. About the cars out there and the cell phones. They don't need to hear that. They need to know the real. How am I going to get back home? That's serious stuff. They need that. Those are conversations they ought to have. Paul states in Ephesians 6 things every child needs to give his or her parents. I talked about this morning obedience and honor. That goes for adults, too. I'm 50 years old, and I still owe my parents obedience and honor, oh, yeah. and I messed that up. Yeah. At 47, I destroyed that honor and that obedience. And to explain to my father, who's retired at home, relaxing, that we gotta go see an attorney. Took every breath I had in my body. Every breath. Paul continues by stating, children. Obey your parents in the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> for this is right. Proverbs 22 15 says, Foolishness and rebellion are built into the child. That's why they must learn obedience. Is that not the same thing as a man going to prison? I rebelled. Foolishness got me in trouble. So now I got to go get cleaned up. I need God to work on me. Right? That's what you teach. When you get an opportunity to go into a prison, don't go in there always with the, oh, whoa, here I am, I'm going to do this. No, talk to them real. Tell them the flat truth. Divorce rates are sky high. There are 45% of the men in the population, African-American men, on death row. 37% are incarcerated either state or federal prisons. Out of 333 men at the militant camp, 280 were African-American. Some in there with their father, some whole families, three brothers in the same camp. Mama comes to visit everybody. But you know what hurt me the most? My father would come and never was there another father for him to talk to in the visiting room, just mothers. Where the fathers at? Why aren't they here to see their sons to help them become a man again? We're born into malehood, to boyhood, to manhood. There's too many stuck in boyhood. We got to get them out of boyhood and into malehood. That's part of our classes. They didn't like it. They get mad at me, who are you? I'm the same person you are. I'm in the same boat with you. I made the same mistakes, and I'm trying to get up like you are. My day to rise, my days of shattered dreams are over with. I'm going to rise up and let my greatness come out. I'm going to show you what I can do, Better, I can talk about it. I don't want to talk about yesterday, but I'll talk to you all day about tomorrow. Mm. Yesterday's history. I can't go back and do anything about that. But man, I can sure control tomorrow. I can get ready for tomorrow. I can put on my tie and go after it. I called my son when I got home, and I said, well, Dad's going to find a job. How are you going to get there? I said, I'm about to catch this bus, and I'm about to walk. He said, Dad, you always had a car. Not anymore. Them days are over with. I got to get that back. So, brand new, my little tie on, my little backpack, I walked down Winchester Road, all the way down the airways, you know where it is, that's about five blocks in the heat. I worked for Young Man University. It's in the building right there, the Airways Professional building. I walk down there and I go to work. When work is over, I take my tie off, put it in my bag, and I walk my happy tail back down the street. (laughs) And I drink as much water as I can when I get it, because I'm tired as all get out. One guy pulled up and said, sir, you got a tie? did your car break down? I said, I wish. I said, I said, I'm walking. He said, Well, walk on, toot toot. I just put my hand up. <clears throat> I said, That's fine, but it's a learning experience. It's patience, it's humble pie that we have to eat, right? Yes. Being in prison, you think you're ready to go home? We ain't ready to go home. I thought after day one, I said, You know what? Five days of this, I'm ready to go. They can let me go right now. I got it. You're right. I made a mistake. Yeah, okay, let me go. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready, sir. Can I go? No. What you mean? No. Dude, you got 36 months to do. Get a grip. Mm. Didn't hit me until my mother told me. She came to visit one day, She's walking out, she hit those stairs, she turned around, she said, son, this is your temporary home. Get used to it. And she walked. I said, okay, yeah, uh-huh,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I turned around and got my little card, little box, little ID card. Put my pocket, walk my little tail back in my little room, and cry like a little boy.
1: Yeah.
0: And from that day on, I stopped crying, cause I knew then it was time to get up. It's time to do something about myself. It's time to change. It's time to be about something. Don't talk about it. Be about, about it. it. Yeah. Right. So I quit talking about it and started so teaching classes. And the best class I ever taught in prison was parenting. That parenting class I taught it 16 different times, and each time I learned more about myself cleaned up more about myself, got better about things, and called my son and said, I'm sorry, because your father made a bunch of mistakes. And when men look at you and realize, oh, he's human too, you're doggone right. And they realize they got to do something to protect their child too. All of them won't. I get that. But some will. You got to touch them. Sometimes you get the tears fall down your face. Oh, yeah. Ain't that you're fake? It's your power to be real. Yeah. You're trying to help. When a young man comes to visit and his father got caught with a cell phone or he got caught with something he wasn't supposed to have and he's been shipped off 500 miles away and the son said, well, I'm here to see my dad. Can I see Brandon Gunn? Uh, young man, come here for a minute. Uh, your dad had a cell phone last night, Mr. Williams, and we shipped him to Timbuktu, Iowa. Yeah. But my dad is all I got. not no more because he's gone. Selfishness, greed, yeah. short-term gratification equals what? A loss of more. If you're going to help incarcerated man understand about children, tell him the truth
1: yeah.
0: about a child. Don't give them the I have a dream speech. Don't give them the tomorrow's gonna be a great day speech. Give it to them flat raw like it is. I would tell guys in class, I said, tell your children to send you a copy of the report card. When we got the report cards, we as a group of men wrote letters to every child. Put them in an envelope and told them how proud we were of them in school. Let's talk about the GED for a minute. My biggest thing was gentlemen getting a GED. I pushed and I dragged folks. They said, are you a police officer? You show up more than a teacher does. I said, no. I said, I'm here to show you what you need to do. Let's go to class. Because they hate, they call their name the intercom at 12 o'clock. All GED students get up, class starts at 1235. Oh, that embarrasses them. Don't call their names. Brandon Gun, you're late for class. Them jokers would get so frightened mad about that. Don't call my name no more. I'm coming. Why are you late? Be on time. So I said, be on time. I'm gonna call your name. Mm-hmm. In GD graduations, I told them. They sit down in rooms like this. I said, I wanna know who your children are, who your mother is, who's your grandmother. Tell me who your aunt is that's coming. Give me the names. I'd write their names down. I didn't tell them anything else. Graduation came, they're proud. They put their gowns on, we took pictures of them to send home, and they walk in, we play the song and everything, Jack, it's good. And I said, you know what? We've got to make this real for them. Because it's the one time in their life this day will never come again. So the first one I did in 12, they came in and sat down, had the family over here, and they're sitting right there like you are, Mr. Williams, I thanked the guests for coming. I thanked them for being here, the guys behind them for encouraging them. I said, you know what, enough of you. You, the family, let me talk to you for a minute. Thank God that you're here. This graduation is not about them, it's about you. Children, I had their name, I called them by their name. Ryland, John, Mary, their eyes would light up. I said, we're so excited that you're here. We want to see what you're doing in life. We're so proud of you. We want you to keep on learning. We want you to keep going to school. Don't come here with daddy. Tell others don't come here. One of the girls about to get married. I said, Chelsea? She said, oh my God, man, knows my name. I said, yeah, I understand you're about to get married, Chelsea. Tell your husband, pray about everything together first. And your life will be great. Mothers start crying. Children stand up and proud to hear their name. Fathers over here crying because they hear their child's name. That's what men do. That's how you reach one, teach one, grab one, and help one. Not just standing and say, Here's your certificate, congratulations. No, sir, it's more to it than that. Graduation to me was a big deal. I took so many pictures one time, I had a room about 400 pictures. I said, I'm so sick of these pictures and all these people. <laughs> They're going to put me in a hole for pictures. I had too much stuff, contraband. I'm trying to hand them out. Right? Send them home. I'm telling the truth, send them home. Please send them home. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, education for children and for men incarcerated is probably to be the number one priority of this federal government, of Ms. Loretta Lynch, of outgoing Mr. Eric Holder, and Ms. Barack Obama. They have got to change. What's going on? One guy graduated with GED. He called home, he said, I got my GED. And her daughter said, Daddy, I'm going back to school too. If you can do it, I can do it. She had quit high school, and she went back. And she got her diploma, and she came, and she wore her cap and gown to visitation. I said, I don't blame you. I said, the cameraman, I said, here, I got a dollar for the picture, takes a picture of this child so he can see. Take it out of my pocket. I don't care. I was as proud of her as he was. That's how we get past this. That's how we work on this problem, the situation. Right? Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. When you see a woman come in with six children, all under the age of 10, little boy got a snotty nose, little girl hair ain't combed, you tell she's having a hard time and that joke will come out here with some fancy shades on. Want to be cool with visitation. Yeah. Yeah. Come around the corner.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking, Looking at it,
0: hey, he want a hug. Hey, yeah. hey, I'm hungry, let's go eat. For real? A child can't tie his shoes, he's seven years old. You got an issue, friend. Yeah. You should be teaching a child to tie his shoes. That's what you should be doing. Don't try to eat a biscuit. Let's tie a shoe. We'll talk about it in class. Let's talk about computers for a minute. There were 25 computers sitting there in Milton camp that had not been turned on. I said, okay. I said, for real? So, you know a crazy Brandon, what do you do? Open his big mouth. I said, that's right. I said, Mr. Slotman, open that door, please. You can stand right here for the next five hours because I'm going to hook up every computer before I go eat my child. I want you to remember a little funny thing we used to say in prison. <laughs> totally dependent on child. No money? That's your favorite line every day. You can't afford to buy it to the commissary to put it in your locker? You are totally dependent on child. You got to go eat that junk they're going to feed you. Yeah. And let me tell you how nasty that food is. <laughs> let me tell you. Partner, hamburger tastes like straight dirt. Green beans with no seasoning. Greens that would tear your back of your throat out. Cornbread so hard, you don't want it, and that first day it came out the oven, you don't want it. Every Thursday is fried chicken. Every Thursday is fried chicken. Every Wednesday is hamburger and french fries. Every Friday is fish. So you know what you're going to eat, right? And some of the guys thought that chicken was the best thing since heaven. I said, you've got to be kidding me. And you've got guys in there cooking who never cook a day in their life. That's their job. I said, oh my goodness. Yeah. you got Leroy in there. Leroy don't like to feed himself. So how are you going to feed me, right? So you eat the food and you realize that, you know what, the reason that we have to take care of our children is to get home to feed them and to watch them eat. That was my one thing I wanted I said, so I want to come home. I want to sit down. I want everybody to eat. And I just want to look at you. I don't want to eat. I just want to look at you. I told my mama, March 15th, that morning when I came home, I said, I don't want a plate. You tell my brothers and my father, and y'all sit down. And I just want to look at you. And they ate, and I looked at them, and I said, thank you, Lord.
1: Because
0: that picture in my mind had almost faded away. Right? Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, July 4th, Memorial Day. Let me tell you about July 4th. Y'all cooking ribs and everything. You know we get? some, I don't know what kind of hot dogs they're called.
1: Oh, There's
0: <laughs> something in there you can't imagine what it is. Bread is already hard. You know it's already come from somebody else. Some restaurant didn't want it, so they sent to the prison. And they pop it in the oven. You got about 15 seconds to eat it For the bread it says what? Hard again. <laughs> Children, if they're our future, we have to work on them. We have to stand up for them. We have to fight for them. But the main thing we gotta do is pray for them. You gotta pray for some deliverance on people. Respect was the biggest thing that you had to earn in prison. When I became an education clerk, the guy said, who are you? I said, I'm the education clerk. And where are you from? What makes you qualify? I said, what makes you qualify? I said, I tell you what, you can stand up here, here's the marker, here's the paperwork, start teaching, you got 30 guys out here who want something. What you gonna do? You ever watch the show Shark Tank? Anybody? You know what we did in prison? We did a Shark Tank. I put five teams together, I made them develop a plan for a business and present it. They had to write the business plan, they had to go to the bank, ask for a loan, they had to present themselves, they had to dress up, they had to iron their clothes, comb their hair, get a haircut, and please brush your teeth.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> I had bankers, lawyers, and doctors sitting on the board, and those guys came and presented their companies. Everything from starting to own development for houses to daycares <coughs> to trucking companies to, um, one did a parts department for trucks, the tools. I was like, my goodness. I said, I didn't know you could do that kind of stuff. And one guy got up there and wanted to, pre- to do a presentation. He was shaking like this. I said, McCoy, I thought you was tough. Gun, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I, I, you got me up here now. You going to let me talk? I said, OK. But you're shaking, man. Now, Mr. McCoy was about 6'6", about 350 pounds. I didn't want him too mad. Because he might have came after me later. But Mr. McCoy had some respect for me. So he said, I'm going to do this. And when guys try to quit, I found out other guys go get him. You ain't gonna quit on gun, gun trying to show us something that we ain't ever had before. So you better get it because when he's gone, he's gone. Because the next person won't do this. The computer class, come back to computers for a minute. We logged the computers on and got them signed up. Twenty-five, right? There's a program in the prisons called Oasis. Okay. Now you can't. There's no internet connection. There are tutorials that you can go through and learn how to do Word. Okay. How to do PowerPoints how to manage and budget, how to prepare, do webcaming, Photoshopping. So I had to sit there and ask my coordinator, who was a police officer, I said, download all 200 classes and let me go to work. He fought me. It's OK. You're going to fight me? I'm going to start praying. Gun, don't start praying in my office. I said, well, then my programs in. I'll quit praying. <laughs> he said, just a minute, gun." He kept on, kept on. I said, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we went from five classes to 24 classes. We had computer classes going all day long at the camp. You understand? We have Microsoft Word, Excel. They're learning, asking questions. Some men have never touched a computer. They've been gone so long. They worked themselves down from a medium to a low to a camp. 25 years, my God, how much you've missed. But they would come in there and we had a basic touch-typing class. I'd walk around like a teacher, hit folks on the wrist. If you don't look up at that screen and keep your fingers down and type, gun hit me again, i hurt you. I said, hurt me then. But you've got to learn how to type, my friend. You've got to have a resume. You have to know how to present yourself. You've got to talk clearly, speak clearly, stand up, cut your hair, get yeah. yourself annoyed, clean yourself. How else are you going to be presentable? Well, my cousin, going, your cousin ain't gonna do nothing. Let me tell you, people feed you more pipe dreams than anybody when you're in prison. Yeah. When you come home, I got you. When you come home, I got 5,000 waiting for you. I got six, I got a car for you, I got an Escalade, I got a house for you. You go home and there's nothing. You can't even find them.
1: They
0: won't even call you. And when you see them in the street, they wave at you like this, hey.
1: Yeah.
0: I told a man, let me tell you something. Your credit score is the key to your life. So we went and got credit reports. And we got them in and we sat down and we wrote letters to the credit bureau trying to prepare credit for being incarcerated. At first they were fire hot. Y'all can't do that? Show me the handbook where it says no. Gun, you're crazy, you're right. I said, you know my mother and father. They don't play, I don't play. What's in them is in me, it's my blood. You know my grandparents, they're tough too. Understand? So as we got their resumes together, and they're writing letters back to the credit bureau, and things are popping off their credit report, because they've been gone so long, and the credit score is going up and up. One guy said, man, I'm going to get me a tattoo in prison. It says 725. I said, man, get off of that. That's on TV. That girl going to wipe that off and walk outside. (laughs) Don't believe that. But men left, and they came out, and they got jobs, and they got apartments, because the credit score was a decent level. To do those things. Without that, they've been in bad shape. Some men have never had a job, ladies and gentlemen. They've never worked. They've sold drugs all their lives since they're 14, 13 years old. Now they're 33 and it's time to go home. Some of them, by the grace of God, have aunts or sisters or a girlfriend who said, You know, I'm going to ride with you. I'm going to give you a chance. And I said, If you're going to do that, please don't fail them. Please write your children. Talk to your children. Spend every dime on a child. It's worth every penny, right? I'd rather be broke, i give you food. But we'll call your child on birthday. Don't wait till five o'clock and you say have a birthday. Happy Birthdays are five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. The phones come on at six. I said at 601, you better be calling your child. Tell to have a birthday. I know daddy ain't the first, but you know where daddy's here. Put pictures up, don't be afraid. Of your family, don't hide. Do what you're supposed to do. That's what men do, not children. That's what men do. Ladies and gentlemen, I walked into prison with this one Bible in my hand. I'll get that in a minute. I had this Bible and I had this watch on. Right? I went in, they took all my clothes from me, gave me them ugly uniforms to put on. The pants were too small, the t-shirt was too tight. I looked like a Michelin tire. (laughs) Getting on this van, heading for this camp. I said, you got to be kidding me. I had these little kung fu fighting gym shoes on with no strings. And I walked into the prison, and some guy hollered, Bodacious is coming to get you. I said, what the world is Bodacious, who is Bodacious? He said again, Bodacious, oh, new me, you coming, I'm gonna get you. I said, these fools have lost their mind. I don't know. It's my first day. I ain't never been in jail day in my life. I get it, ma'am. No, don't you dare. You're trying <laughs> to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you stop that. Oh, job, no, you don't help. I'm all right. That's what men do. You don't bend over and get nothing. That's what men do. Okay. okay, hold chairs, pick up trash for you, or car doors, the whole thing. That's what we do. Okay, don't do that no more. Next time you drop your napkin, you stand at looking, are you going to get that or not?
1: That's what you tell them.
0: Okay. Yes, ma'am. I forgot where I was. I'm going to get you.
1: That was a good one, though.
0: Bodacious. So, bodacious. Let me tell you bodacious. So, I go in and get my bunk. It's a 3 tier bunk. I'm in the middle bunk. Now, I'm a little smaller than I was then. You know what I'm talking
1: about.
0: Boy, when I I went to prison, I was close to 400 pounds, because I was eating like a crazy person, stress. Didn't know what was about to happen. I was waddling. That man said, "There's your, there's your bed gun. Get up there." How am I get up on this second tier bunk? And I'm 400 pounds. So I had to figure out a way to grab this pole, flip my big self up in this bed, and just lay there. So I put on my boots for three days. I slept in boots. I said, "I wish Bodacious would come in here and bother me."